Amen. That work you out a little bit? How many want to go to heaven? May I see your hand? We want to go to heaven. How many intend to take somebody with you? Our world today is in a mess. And not just in one area, but a whole lot of areas. Any time that you get off course from the Word of God and you begin to adopt a, a watered-down principle, you begin to drift away from, you didn't guess you've lost your first love or you're lukewarm. I, I talk about finances. I talk about tithe. I talk about giving. I talk about who did you bring to church today. Talk about devotions. I talk about whatever's in the book from index over to concordance. I even cover the maps. But this is an area that is one of the great, great challenges of far too many in the church. When I talk to you about stewardship and giving, I can tell you without any reservation whatsoever, whatsoever that 75 to 80% of people who are, quote, Christians do not tithe. I mean, that's the most simple. Just do not tithe. Do not give back to God what is really His. How, how, do, you, how do you deal with that? So some say, well, boy, you like to talk about that. Well, I'm, there's still fish in the pond. Amen? As long as there's fish in the pond, if you believe like I do, that it is a crucial part of the favor of God. And if I want God's favor in your life, I'm going to keep fishing. I'm going to keep believing. Ecclesiastes 6, 9, you're going to have a lot of Scripture. They have notes. We have notes, right? How many have your notes? May I see your hand? All right, if you don't have any notes, may I see your hand? We like to get notes. I'll hold it real high. The ushers right now rush you through the audience as quickly as they can in an expeditious way to endeavor to give you the notes as long as you keep your hand lifted. All right, keep it up real high. They will find you. Ecclesiastes 6, 9, here it is. Let's read it together. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be something else. How many believe that? Say amen. I mean, that's the Word of God. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. It's extremely important. I'm going to talk about one word tonight through the whole message. That one word is contentment. <clears throat> you see, often when people are struggling financially in their life, they're doing so because they're not content with what they have. They want more and they want better. And that's the culture in which we live. And the Bible is full of, of money management, financial management, financial advice, Solomon, who wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, both are filled with the laws of money. You're going to hear numerous scriptures from those books tonight, and it deals with the laws of money, the principles of prosperity, and the rules for wealth. Victory Church never has been a prosperity preaching gospel. And by that, I mean this, 
that if you name it, you can claim it. We have never been a prosperity gospel that says, okay, uh, you know, if you pray, God will reproduce three $100 bills in your purse. I've never preached the prosperity gospel that God desires for you to be rich. And do you know why? I'm glad you asked the question. Because I've been overseas, and I've seen far too many people that certainly or more uh, individuals that are far more deserving than I am who have nothing. Individuals that live in poverty in India, in Africa, in, in El Salvador, in Peru, and all those places of the world. And I'm saying if I go preach that gospel there, I ought to preach a gospel that works no matter where you preach it. Amen? So we have not done that. I'm going, not going to tell you that, hey, if you give, and you honor God as faithfully as you can with your tithe. You're going to be a multi-millionaire. I'm not going to tell you either that being poor is a curse because that is not true. I'm going to tell you the truth. Here is a statement that I'm going to lay upon you and see how it feels, and let's read it together. Here it is. Why do people have the challenges? Because your yearnings exceed your earnings, you often get into financial trouble. My yearning exceeds my earnings. Well, there it is. The entire life, if you believe that, is going to be frustrated with your finances because as long as your earning or your yearnings exceed your yearnings, you will not be able to practice the principle of contentment because you will always want more. Time Magazine did an article a while back and explained that for every $1,000 that Americans earn, we put $1,300 on credit cards. How sad is that? That's not rocket science. It's no wonder that people are stressed out because they're in debt, they're going into foreclosure. Why? Their yearnings are manifested and their yearnings exceed their earnings. Proverbs 14:30, it's healthy to be content. Say amen. But envy will eat you up. It'll eat you up. The Bible goes on to say, a heart at peace gives life to the body. We know that good health is good for all of us. But good health has to do with peace. And when you are at peace with what you have, with what God has given to you, it's less tension, less stress, less worry, and the more healthy that you can be. When it comes to your health, it's just not what you eat that matters. It's what eats you. If your life is filled with worry, well, everybody worries. No, they don't. There is a healthy worry, but most are engaged in an unhealthy worry, which shows unbelief. If your life is filled with bitterness, it's because you've given yourself permission to be bitter at someone, something, at some time. If your life is filled with guilt, you don't understand redemption. If your life is filled with resentment, you cannot love. If your life is filled with anxiety, 
It's because you don't trust. You were hurt when you trusted. The trust was broken. You will be filled with anxiety, and it will eat at you. Solomon is the writer of Ecclesiastes, and Proverbs said in Ecclesiastes 6, 9, it's better to be satisfied with what you have than it is always be wanting something else. Here, that's the principle of the law of commitment, and I'm going to share with you what I consider to be uh, several principles. In other words, if you're that way, here's what happens. Number one, it brings more fatigue. Say that with me. It brings more fatigue. You're going to be more tired. You're going to be wanting more. You're going to have to work harder and to fulfill your yearnings. Told story a hundred years ago, told the story of a peasant where his master said, I'm going to give you as much land for you to keep as you can walk around in one day. And buddy, that servant took off and ran all day long trying to get as much ground covered as he possibly could. At the end of the day, he died from exhaustion. What good did it do? You see, we are dying in our culture of exhaustion. For what? For more things. For more things. Unfortunately, most people give up their health in the first half of their life in order to get more and more money, and then the second half of their life, they give up their money in order to get their health back. The first thing is fatigue. So here's the word of God to us, Proverbs 23, 4, do not wear yourself out to be rich, have the wisdom Show restraint, and everybody said, let's do the second one. It brings more expenses. Say that with me. It brings more. Did you know that? Having more costs you more. We always hear that the grass is greener where? On the other side of the fence. The grass is greener on the other side of the fence. So is the water bill. It's larger. Cost to have the green grass over there. So here it is, Ecclesiastes 5.11. As goods increase, this is the Bible, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? So you have all this wealth. You know what you got to have? You got to have an accountant. Not only you have to have an accountant, you're not there, so you're going to have to have yourself a housekeeper. You can't do that because you're working, because you're going after more. You got to have the lawn person do your lawn. And we have a lawn people, a lot of lawn people in our church. God bless you, keep using them. And they're there because you have to have more. So what is the advantage of wealth? What is the advantage of more except to watch it sometimes run through your fingers? I saw a bumper sticker. I'm going to share it with you. Here it is. I, I love this. I used to dream of the salary I'm now starving on. Everybody with me? How many remember the first house payment, the first rent payment you made for a place to live in? Yeah, I remember it. All right, good. Now, for those of you the older, how many, that, that rent exceeded 100 bucks a month when you first started. Say, wow, those were the days. Maybe not. 
what we know is true just about the time we think that we can get the ends tied together. If I can get, just get the ends tied together, somebody comes along and move the ends. And there you are. And we think that we don't make enough. The truth is we want too much. The Bible said, my God shall supply all your needs. He didn't say all your greeds, but all your needs. Here's number three. Say it with me. It brings more anxiety. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like you have anxiety. You just look like it. The more you have, the more you have to worry about it. And if you don't have it, you don't have to worry about it. If you don't have a brand new car, you don't have to worry about somebody slamming a door in it at Walmart. You don't? You see, I don't have to worry about my yacht getting barnacles. I don't. I never worry about that. Do you know why? I don't have a yacht. I don't. I don't have to worry about it. The more that you have, the fewer things I own, the fewer things I have to get repaired. Y'all with me? Whatever happened to the days where you just pushed a button on a washing machine and the thing just washed and washed and washed and washed and washed. Then it went into a little spin dry. And after the spin dry, you know, it rinsed again and then another spin dry and that's all there is to it. Now there are washers that can turn your clothes inside out, separate the whites from the darks, do the right spin, set so you don't overcook them or overdry them or over this, all that. You know what happens? The more gadgets you have on the crazy thing, the more you're going to get it repaired. I'm, I'm telling you, just sharing a little yard talk, the more you have to maintain, the more you have to insure, the more you have to pay taxes on, and then if you're not careful, you got to go down and get you a, a shack out back to put the stuff you thought you need that you don't need anymore to put it so nobody else can have it. And then you have to go to the pain. Yard sales and garage sales are a pain in the neck. You with me? But you got to have them. Ecclesiastes 5.12, a working man can get a good night's sleep. But the rich man has so much that he stays awake worrying. So you're going to have more fatigue, more expenses, more anxiety. And here we go for number four. Take a look at that. Let's read it together on three. One, two, three. It brings more conflict. Don't touch my stuff. You're going to have more conflict in your home. Prove it. Proverbs 15, 27. A greedy man brings trouble to his family. So we know now the number one cause of divorce and the latest stats is financial tension. It's money issues. How many remember when it used to be, till death do us part? Till death do us part. It's not anymore. It's till death do us part. 1 Timothy 6, 9, people who long to be rich fall into temptation or are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin. I've watched it here in 28 years. Some people, as long as they just had enough to make their income and make ends meet, but the more they made and the more they made, the less I see them. 
And the more reason they have now to travel and go anywhere they want to, and their absence is they do good to make it once a month. Go ahead, choir. Amen. (laughs) Aren't you glad you came tonight? You could have been one of those I just talked about, but you showed up. You see, that's straight. Financial ruin and destruction. Here's what it says that plunges them into ruin. It says if you're contented and you, you don't fall for what I call get-rich schemes. The discontented individual always looking for a fast solution, how I can double my return in 90 days. I said it this morning. Warren Buffett said, never lose the money that you've already earned. I have never lost a penny in Vegas, ever. Do you know why? I don't go where I can lose it. You with me? I don't need to pull a one-armed bandit so I can say I pulled a one-armed bandit. Here's my fear. If I ever pull one, I would win a million bucks, and then I'd have to come back here and say, my Lord, I pulled it only once, and I won. I'm so sorry, y'all. You don't roll the dice. Contented person is never lured by the lottery. You're contented. The scripture said if you're not content, you're going to get trapped. That's what it says. Y'all don't shout me down. Here's number five. Let's read it together. Wanting more brings more dissatisfaction. Well, it sounds like to me, Pastor, the way you're painting the picture, we, we ought to not want anything. You shouldn't. You know why? Turn to your neighbor right now. Go ahead and say it to him. You already have all you need. Go ahead and tell him. You already have all you need. How many know that's a lie? That's not a lie. You already have more than you need. You see, we think having more makes us happy. Having more will make you think think you're more secure. Then I can do a little more if I've got more. It'll make me more important because people look at me then. If I'm, if I'm in that financial arena, they'll think I'm important. I'll feel more loved. No, you'll be loved by family members who need to borrow money for you. That's not real love. It might be true that you can buy happiness short term. So I got a windfall, man. I had $10,000. I've always wanted to go to the Grand Canyon. I've always wanted to go to Vegas. I've always, always wanted to go to the big old red oaks out there. I've always wanted to see, I've always wanted to go to California. Always wanted to go to Key West. Listen, you spent your $10,000 by the time you made it to Vegas. That's what I've always wanted to do. And for a period of time, you might be happy, 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 happy. I think if I had a new car, if I, if I, I know if I had a new car, I've been faithful when I got, it's got 190,000 miles on it. I just need a car. You know when you're not happy anymore? When the smell is gone. It's gone. And the minute you drive it off the lot, you have it lost money the minute you left the lot. Well, are you saying no new cars? I'm not what I'm saying. I'm saying those are the things that can't meet your contentment needs. It cannot meet it. Here, here we go. You ladies, Holy Spirit, hide me behind this cross, this. You ladies, 
you got a Sunday dress, a Monday dress, a Tuesday dress, a Wednesday dress, Thursday dress, a Friday mix unit, a Saturday mix unit, and you're just Sunday again. That's six sets. How much more do you need? Shoes. If you got a black pair, you got a taupe pair, you got a brown pair. Hello? How many more do you need? How many? How many? You with me? How many of you men understand that? How many of you men know that ain't never going to happen? Oh, but Lord, let's talk about the men. I, I just need one more toy. I just need a, another golf club, Baldy. Just one more. I need a big Bertha. No, big Bertha's out. There are bigger clubs now, Pastor. Now they have clubs as big as a tennis racket. How can you miss? I just need one more toy. You say, I'm not into golf. Well, I need one more knife then. Just one more knife. If I can go over to Bass Pro, get me one more knife. I just need one more. Or, or listen, I, I just need one more gun. Just one more. How many rifles can you shoot at a time? How many pistols can you unload at a time? How many? I just need one more. You say, I'm not into all that. Well, I just need one more tool. Sears has got a sale down there for their 99-piece tool set for $199. We already have tools out the nose I need one more. How many understand how we get caught up in the culture? Nothing wrong with the tools. Nothing wrong with the dresses, lady. As a matter of fact, we men love to see you doll it up. Oh, my Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? Doll it up, powder it up, whitewash it up, and smell it up. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Good Lord, have mercy, Jesus. Amen. I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to move. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 5.10, if you love money, you will never be satisfied. You love money? Never be satisfied. If you long to be rich, you will never get all you want. Howard Hughes was asked, how much does it take to be a happy man? He said, what? Just a little more. Just a little more. The Living Bible said it's foolish to think that wealth brings happiness. Here's the secret to the law of contentment. Ecclesiastes 6, 9, it's better to be satisfied with what you have, we said it earlier, than to always be wanting something else. Paul said, hey guys, I got it. I've learned, I have learned the secret to being content, whether living in plenty or in want. But human nature, we are discontented, we're not satisfied because we like to change things. You know your woman is not content. If she can't buy something, she'll move furniture on you. 
How many of you men have more than one barbecue grill? May I see your hand? Chicken? <laughs> Here it is. Number one, four principles. S say it with me. It's there. Stop comparing yourself to others. How many can see that? Is it where you, how many you can't see it? You can't, you cannot see it. Really? In the balcony, can y'all, y'all see it? That's good. How many up there cannot see it? That's good. All right, there you go. Open your eyes. There you go. <laughs> you don't have to compare yourself to anybody. Why don't you just wise up in your own heart and your own spirit and say, you know what? I'm satisfied with me and who I am. I'm satisfied that God created me the way he created me. Well, pastor, you saying that we can improve? Sure you can. But you know what we often do? We try it and fail. You ever notice that? But there's a place in each of us that we ought to get to the place and say, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. You may have a 42 waist, and you said, I'm dreaming of a 38 waist. Dream on. <laughs> Scott Weech is back there. Where are you at, Scott? Wave your hand. I ask him how much he lost. He said, I've lost 75 pounds. Give it up for Scott Weech right back there. God bless you, Scott. You know when he said that, what I thought of? I wonder how many French fries, cheeseburgers, fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and gravy, fried okra has he had to give up to lose that? So how many cheese sandwiches has he had to give up? How many Sundays is he having to give up to lose that? How, many, how much of life's finest things has he had to give up to lose 75 pounds? And to know that, that uh, two years from now, he'll be halfway back up again. He works for the Lakeland Police Department. He is a, a detective, so give me some grace there, Scott. God bless. You know, it's good. Okay? God didn't make any copies when he made you. Do you know identical twins are not the same? You're not one of a million. You're not one of billions. You're unique right the way you are. 2 Corinthians 10, 12. We do not dare classify or compare ourselves. It's not wise. You know what America's indoor sport is? Comparing. I do it. I do it for some of y'all. I looked and said, how in the world, how in the world did that ugly thing get her? You know what I'm saying? Y'all with me? He must have a whole lot more money than I thought. You understand? Comparing. We compare, we look and say, wow. Did you see her hair, how she's got it? Yeah. They didn't do the razor cut on her hair. They didn't use a razor, they used their scissors. It just, it, you see how it's co-furred right, right back there and how it's in the layers? So the way it's coming, how they have it pulled back. 
Now, she's got bangs now. I like, I like the bang deal now. Got the bangs. Think I'll go get me some bangs. Well, what, what, what suntan stuff are you rubbing on your legs? Because mine's not working real good. It gets blotchy. What, what do you have on yours? Oh, you got the expensive kind? Mine comes from Dollar General. No wonder. Everybody with me? We compare. Y'all know it's the truth. Don't send me any emails, okay? My email deal crash. It will right after church. You look at a person's wealth and you say, well, I'd be nice to have that kind of wealth. Be nice to go on a ski trip for four or five days and slide down the mountains and enjoy all that break my shoulder. Just enjoy all the wonderful fun. That'd just be great. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That kind of life. We need to learn to admire. I got a lot of good stuff. We need to learn to admire without having the need to acquire. We need to rejoice in other people's prosperity without getting jealous, jealous or envious and feel like that we have to have it too. I like to go to the mountains. Someone said to me that day, why don't you buy you a cabin? Here's my answer. I don't want to. I had a church that called me one time in Michigan. Oh, Reverend Blackburn, we'd love for you to come and be our pastor. I said, well, I'm, could you send us a resume? I said, I'm not going to send a resume. I don't need to send a resume. But would you just come? And it's talking. I said, I really don't have any interest. You know, I'm humbled by the fact that you would have interest. I said, by the way, how cold does it get there? said, well, it does get pretty cold. I said, how cold does it get there? You know? Oh, but we don't have the summers y'all have down there. I don't know any other summer than down there because I've been down there all my life. And when people tell you when you go out west, oh, the heat is different. I've been out there. Don't go, friend. It's hot. But when they said... Well, just recently, the locks froze in some of our congregation's cars. I said, what did you just say? The locks froze. I've never had that problem. I forgot my key before, and it wouldn't open. But I've never been able to not get in because the lock had frozen, and I couldn't get a key in there. You know, what about just learning to appreciate right where you are at. Won't you buy a cabin? I don't need a cabin. You know why? Because I got to have insurance on it. I got to repair it. I got to pay taxes on it. I got to keep it rented to make the payments. That's just one more headache I got to put up with. You know what I'd rather do? Oh, you got a cabin? I'll rent it for a week, okay? <laughs> I'll rent it and then I'll enjoy it and I'll pack up and I will leave it and you're going to keep having to make the payments. You know what I'm saying? And then how many of you ever get an urge to, to get an RV? That's the big thing right now. Need an RV. I've seen some RVs I wouldn't be caught dead in. But the RVs that you see on the RV show, have you noticed? Looks like million, some of them are million-dollar RVs. But since so I'm reading up on that, not that I had a temptation. The average person that buys an RV 
150, quarter of a million dollars, half a million dollars, $750,000. After the second year, they don't ride in it more than two weeks a year. I'm sitting at the house and I drive down to the storage yard that I'm paying $250 a month for the RV to sit in that I don't get in and ride in it but two weeks a year and I'm paying the payment, I'm paying the insurance and I'm paying the pipe when it breaks somewhere and I'm saying, I don't want that. And you know what? When I do that, not that I'm the only one, when somebody comes along and said, hey, can you give this missionary a little offering, I say, yeah, God. That's about a good payment on an RV right there. God, that's a good payment on a cabin in the mountains somewhere. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Exodus 20, 17, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Coveting is the uncontrolled desire to acquire. The word covet in the Hebrew means to pant after. In the Greek, it means to grab or grasp so tightly that your hands are so tight you can't even let it go. You become possessed by your possessions. And there's nothing wrong with wanting and having stuff. Amen? You don't know whether to say amen or not, do you? <laughs> I'm scared. Nothing wrong with wanting stuff and having stuff. God is not saying in this message to us that we should never desire. He's not saying that. We should never desire any. That's Buddhism. Buddhism is this. The entire goal of Buddhism is to get rid of human desire. And the goal is if you get rid of all your human desires, then you'll never have any more pain or suffering. And that's wrong. Desires are not wrong. Desires come from God. We're not talking about a desire being evil or uncontrolled or desire to be covetous. I'm talking about a desire that's used as good. I desire to be more like you. That's a positive desire. Amen. God created that in us. So the first key to contented life is not to compare. Number two, let's read it carefully. Here we go. Let's read it together. Enjoy what you have. Y'all with me? I know some of you getting extremely bored. Too often we get so busy going after what else we want, going for more, that we don't enjoy what we already have. Oh, you got such a lovely home. And I'm talking about the back lawn. It's not a yard. A yard is where the dogs run, scratch up, pile up. And weeds come up. And the fastest way to deal with them is mow them down. But a lawn is well manicured. Enough that you don't let grandchildren step on it. You got a beautiful lawn, but you don't have time to go see it. You bought a four-man spa. Four per, a four-person spa, I'm sorry. 
And buddy, you used it day and night. But you go out there now and it's just bubbling away. You bought a pool because you had to have. Joe Jasso over there had a pool. You know what he did? Hauled a dump truck in and covered it up with dirt. Is that right? Sure did. Cost him dirt. <laughs> you see, Paul's writing to Timothy says, everything on earth was given for our enjoyment. So, so we, have, we have God created us to enjoy. He gave us taste buds. Amen? And then he created Cinnabons. That's right. He gave us skin so to feel the touch brings play. He gave us eardrums to listen to rap music. No, eardrums to listen to the beautiful passion. Strangers in the night, two lonely people, we are strangers in the night, exchanging glances. Hey, amen. Or country music, right? Give us, gave us sight to enjoy color, to enjoy the beauty of a sunset or a sunrise. Everything on earth for our pleasure. Ecclesiastes five nineteen. If God gives a man wealth and property, he should be grateful and enjoy what he has. It is a gift from God. Amen. It's a gift from God. And one of the beautiful things that we learn is when we go on missions trips is we are blessed as a nation. You go to a missions trip, my friend, you go down there, and you thought, wow, you can see right through their house. You can say, look, they're still cooking outside over a fire. You go on a mission trip, you are grateful the second day that they have hot water. Hello? Because many times they don't have hot water, and you come home and say, I'm just going to stand here in the shower under this hot water forever. You go on a missions trip, you say, I'm thankful for ice. Because the majority of the world these days don't give you ice when they give you a drink. you got to ask for it. They want, the, they want the drink to be room temperature. Do you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you go to these places, you think, well, I'm grateful that I can eat my food without worrying whether or not it's got roaches or it's contaminated or it's going to make me sick. I enjoy that. All those things we can thank God for. Amen? I thank God for toilet paper. I mean, the small things. I'm thanking God for. How about you? Sure, that we take, we take for granted. Well, I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be content. I call it the when and then. When this happens, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I get unmarried, I'll be happy. When we have kids, I'll be happy. When we don't have kids, I'll be happy. When your mama comes over, I'll be happy when she leaves. <laughs> Happiness is a choice, and if you're not happy, listen carefully. If you're not happy now, you won't be happy later. Happiness has nothing to do with your circumstance or what you have in your pocket. Happiness has nothing to do with your circumstances. It has everything to do with your what? your attitude. Well, I don't believe that. Well, that's your problem. But what I said is the truth. Things that you're happy. Think about a minute. 
of the things that you could say, that's pleasure to me. How many have grandchildren? How many think grandchildren are the best thing in the world? Amen? Grandchildren. How many have great-grandchildren? You think that's pretty good. Best thing in the world. It's the only reason God lets you have kids. You can have grandkids. The things that you enjoy, when you go home and in your prayer time, think about the things that you really enjoy. Take a moment to compliment somebody and say, you know what, I haven't said to you how much I, I enjoy your company, how much i tell you what, you, make, you just make the best chicken fried steak with mashed potatoes and gravy of any man I've ever seen in my life. Thank you. I told Sharon the other morning, she about fell out. I said, you know what? I want to thank you for making the bed because I made it one time a while back. You cannot get the sheet to where it's the same on this side as it is this side. And if you do, you got to walk around and pull this wrinkle out. And then here's what I found out after I read up on it. That's why you have a comforter. Because you can throw the comforter over all the wrinkles in the sheet and it looks pretty. Y'all with me? But not me. It has to be right. You see? Well, I don't have enough. I don't have enough. You got two choices. One is hard and one is easy. One, you can keep on working for more or you can finally get to the place that you want less. Working for more and you want less. 1 Timothy 6, 17, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Verse 18, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works, give generously to those in need, always be ready to share with others whatever God has given them. Do you know what the antidote is to materialism? It is generosity. The antidote to materialism is generosity. You want to know how, how generous you are? How do you feel when I talk about messages like this? Number three, remember that life is not about things. Somebody say, amen. Life is not about things. Here is number four. Focus on what will last forever. That's number four. Do you know what the two things that are going to last forever? I'm glad you asked. Number one, it's the Word of God and you. You are going to last forever, either in heaven or in hell. God's Word is going to last forever. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but you're going to live forever. And you're either going to live in heaven or you're going to live in hell. It'd be really good, I think, for your own benefit to live, to go to heaven. 2 Corinthians 4.18, we fix our attention not on things that are seen, but on things that are unseen. What can be seen lasts only for a time, but what cannot be seen lasts forever. Would you stand to your feet, please? You believe this message? Amen. 
How many of you bought a new car in the last couple of weeks? May I see your hand? You're not giving it up, are you? <laughs> How many bought a new house lately? Let me just put it to you. I don't want you to believe that this message was, you don't need a new car. I know several people absolutely need a new car right now, and they need somebody else to pay for it. I know several people who need a different home because your family has expanded. I know that some of you, when I talked about clothing, it'd be great if you'd have a new outfit. That's what my mother calls them, a new outfit. They got a new outfit. Nothing wrong with that. As God's desire is for you to enjoy it all. But you don't become possessed with your possessions. And you don't get to the place that you forget to appreciate what you have. And think more is better because it's not. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the abundance of your blessing, all your goodness and mercy. Would you speak through us as you have done? You might be in this room right now and you're thinking, wow, I've been stingy and selfish and greedy. I've been building myself up. And I need to come to the realization that God is my source. I need to be open-hearted and understanding. I need to look at someone's need and I need to do something big for them. I can do it. God, lay on some people's heart the desire to help someone in this room right now that they know of a need that they have and they may be the answer to help that person who has the need get over the hump, to get over the chasm. We can be that because of generosity. And there may be some here that their heart is distant from you. They're disconnect. They're discontented. They're not content. They're just not, you cannot make them happy. God, help those individuals. God, only you can do that. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you need a touch from the Lord, we're going to believe God. But I want to ask everyone to repeat this prayer right now. Would you do that? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I am sorry. I, am sorry. I, have, sinned. I have sinned. And I am asking for forgiveness. Asking for forgiveness. Come into my heart. Come into my heart. Create in, me Create in me a pure heart. A pure heart. I, believe, Lord Jesus, I believe, Lord Jesus, that you are my source. That you are my source. I, come to you I come to you as humbly as I know how, as I know how. and I ask, for your help. I ask for your help. In Jesus' name I pray. Name I pray. Amen. We're going to sing this one song. If you need help, you need prayer, maybe you've got a big old thing that you have need of. And I sense this in my heart. God's going to meet a big need in somebody's life tonight. I just really do believe that. So two things will happen. If you're the one with a big need, you'll have to be obedient. And if you're the one that God's going to use to meet someone else's big need, you're going to have to say, God, if that's me, speak to my heart and I will be obedient. You come now. God bless you as we sing.